Good morning. You guys are awesome. Thank you, Bells. Choir. That sounds cool. That was easy to do, right? Kidding. I couldn't play Bells. Well, it's good to be with you. Um, I'm excited. Everyone, who has the Christmas tree up? Okay. Who's had it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those people raise their hand real quick. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you, that I get to be here with you this morning. My name is Spencer Thomas. I get to be one of the pastors here. Um, let's start off by praying. Lord God, we love you. Oh my God, we love you. And we want to know you more. And we pray that your spirit would be in this place. We pray that your glory would unfold. We pray, Lord God, like um, like the Bible stories we read, what would, would our lives be like that? Amen. Uh, let's let's read. Let's read Romans thirteen eleven through fourteen. Uh, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. This is the word of the Lord for you this morning. Amen. Um, I want to invite you to interact with me this morning. So this verse says, you know, wake up. The, the day is coming, so I need you to interact with me a little bit. And I have a, a kind of a challenge for you. If, if I say something good, I want, I want, I need to get an amen out of you. You know what I mean? Like this is, the, I know this is the early service, but you guys are more awake than anyone else. You know what I mean? Because you've already been awake for a few hours. Um, and uh, but also, I want to invite you to say amen if truth cuts to your heart and it kind of hurts or it's a little offensive. You know what I mean? You ever hear some truth and you're like, ooh, yeah, that hit me. That deserves an amen as well. Amen? <laughs> okay, so Advent. We're, it's the beginning of Advent. Um, and so we have a video to play about. Did you already do the video? Great. Awesome. So Advent, uh, that was a great video. I loved it. It made me feel like my wife and I and our three-year-old aren't so different. Um, and so, um, Advent, it's a season of preparation for Christ's birth. It comes from the Latin word Adventus, um, which for Greek, it's transliterated. Uh, Advent is um, celebrating and preparing for the arrival of Jesus Christ. It's a special time. Um, we're entering into a sermon series this Advent uh, called Expectation. And today, the sermon title is Morning Sickness which I've never had before, except not the kind the, the ladies know of. I, I had a little bit of morning sickness um, from my food baby after Thanksgiving. But, uh, 
You know, I don't, I don't know. That's the only kind I know of. Um, so I'm not going to talk. I, I will bring it all the way back around to morning sickness at the, at the end of the sermon. Um, expectation. Let's, let's get back in the scripture. Brian, will you put this up as I go? It'll be easy to follow. That's the, that's the dread. If you're back in the back on the computer and someone throws, they're like, Hey, it'll be easy. Just follow me. You're like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Verse 11. This is all the more urgent. Urgency. Um, the verses before this, Paul's writing and he's talking about how to love your neighbor. He's talking about love. And then as he's talking about love, he's talking about how we must act with urgency. Um, do you urgently love your neighbor? That's a question. And so um, are you loving urgently? I, have you ever been to the emergency room? Yeah, a- amen. <laughs> and uh and you're sitting there and you have like some like you're going to die if you don't get help, right? Like I remember uh my wife and I with Forrest, little our little baby, he was about a year old at the time. He had like a one oh two, one oh three fever. And it'd been going up over the course of the, the day and I, we gotta go. We need help. We go to the emergency room. And it's full of these people that don't have urgent things. And guys, I have never been more frustrated at having alternative definitions of urgent than I was when I was sitting there holding my son that who needed help. Like, I don't want your definition of urgent. And I don't want yours either. My definition of urgency is I'm holding him. This is urgent. And so it just makes me think that have I, when God says uh, in Scripture through Paul, this is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. I wonder if I'm the equivalent of going to the emergency room for something that's not urgent, right? And then you go in there and you go, why are you here? This isn't urgent. I wonder if when God is saying it's all the more urgent for you, Spencer, Am I using my definition of urgency of what I think is urgent? Or am I adhering to God's definition of urgency? It's getting late. Um, and I think that we can look at it as, am I urgent to show grace? Uh, am I urgent to forgive? Or do I, do I withhold it? And let the bitterness slowly fester? Or am I urgent? Do I pursue reconciliation with urgency? Um, When I interact with my neighbor, am I urgent to listen? To show kindness? And ultimately to let let the love of God that's overflowing out of my heart get on everything around me? And so what, this is one, I need someone to say amen after this, okay. I'm, I'm cueing you guys. What is birthed out of your mouth was conceived in your heart. Yeah, I'll say it again. What is birthed out of your mouth is conceived in your heart. And, and so when, when I say, do you act urgently in love, and I say, um, do you let the love of God that's over that's been conceived in your heart, that's been overflowing in abundance, that's getting on everything around you, do you operate with that urgency? 
And I was talking to someone once and they were like, well, yes, but sometimes I, I suppress it. Like, you might not see it there, but it's there. Like, you're not that strong. You can't suppress the love of God in your heart. You're not that strong. It's meant to pop the top off and overflow. You're not that strong. You can't hold in that kind of love. And so if it's not overflowing, it may not be there. What's birthed out of your mouth was conceived in your heart. And so if we keep going in the scripture, if we, you know, wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Um, this is another opportunity to say amen. This resonates with you. Um, most normal people, the people that don't put their Christmas tree up till after Thanksgiving, uh, hey, someone's amen. <laughs> um, we in our room, we will have a chair or a bench sometimes a treadmill that is not used as a chair, bench, or treadmill. It's used to put clothes on. (laughs) And you put your clothes on it because you recognize, well, I've worn it, so I don't want to put it back in with all the clean clothes. But it's not dirty enough that I need to wash it and I might, I might wear it again. I might put it back on. <laughs> and sometimes that area gets a little bit messy. You know what I mean? And um, when it says, uh, so remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. I think, I think everyone has different measures of when their clothes move from the treadmill or the, the clothes chair into the basket you know we all have different definitions for dirty you know like some i almost want to call people how long do you wear your jeans for before you wash them <laughs> you know what i mean everyone's like oh, don't ask those questions <laughs> amen amen move on move on <laughs> but i think that when we get to it there's a certain point of clothed dirtiness that we can all would agree on it goes straight to the basket what if it had blood on it? If it had blood on it. Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. It means you don't ever want to put it back on. Have you ever gone nose blind something? I think sometimes it's in our lives, in our seasons of living, we go nose blind to how dirty our clothes are. We don't realize because we've been in it for too long. Sometimes, whether or not you can smell it, you got to say, I got to, we're going to, I've worn these jeans too many times. They're going, I'm taking them off and I'm not putting them back on. <laughs> you can go nose blind. Kendra and I went nose blind once a, um, she was eight and a half months pregnant. And I was uh, helping lead worship at a retreat out in Rock Springs. Um, she was at the house, and um, on day two of the retreat, I get a phone call that says, you got to come and pick me up. 
I don't know what to do. You got to come. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this urgent? Like, it sounds urgent. What's wrong? My wife is eight and a half months pregnant. And she goes, I came home today and a skunk came into our house through the doggy door and sprayed everything. And we, I've never Googled so fast in my life. And so I just go and pick her up. She spends the week out in Rock Springs. And you know how when you come home from vacation, it's nice to come home to a clean house? We weren't, having, we weren't coming home from vacation, and we also weren't coming home to a clean house. <laughs> it smelled terrible for months. And the scariest part was when we went nose blind to it. And we had bowls of white vinegar out everywhere. We'd sprayed everything. We just had exposed pans and stuff of vinegar to just absorb smell and get into stuff. We'd sprayed everything down. We'd done everything. And after like a couple days, we were like, we fixed it. We can't smell it anymore. And we went over to my parents' house. And they were like, y'all smell terrible. We'd gone nose blind, not only to the smell of skunk, but to the smell of everything we'd done to try to fix the skunk smell. And I ask you, people of God, this is a prompting you to say amen after this. Is it possible that in our lives we've gone nose blind, not just to the dirty clothes that we wear spiritually, but also at our attempts to cover it up? Yeah. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. That means I don't ever want to put them back on. And put on the shining armor of right living. Verse 13. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. We must live decent lives. I tested this out on a few people. And I'm going to, like, when we read, you must live decent lives. We focus on the decent part, right? We immediately hone in on being decent, on being decent people. Um, Define decent for me. Because I don't know if I want to use your definition or someone else's. What does it mean? Or is it like, do we just like kind of all submit like a ticket for what we think decent means and we just like put it to a vote? And that's the standard that we live to? Whose definition of decent are we talking about? Because in the same way that we talked about urgency and that I don't want to use yours... (laughs) It's not urgent enough. I don't know if I want to use your definition of decency, of lived decent lives. I don't know if I want to use my definition of that. I don't think we're supposed to. Um, we must. Defi- is it follow the rules and be good? Just be, just be a good person. Is that the culmination of following Jesus? Just to be a good person. In Matthew 19, we see a rich young man, a rich young ruler, and he goes to God and he says, um, he goes to Jesus, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus has this awesome thing he does. He answers questions with questions. And he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, why do you call me good? Because under Jewish rhetoric, there's only one who is good, and that's God himself. And so to go to a prophet or a rabbi or a teacher and say, good teacher, you're inferring something about them. Because there's only one person that's good, and that's God. 
good teacher, what must, why do you call me good? Are you just talking or are you making a claim about my identity? Why do you call me good? We never see an answer. And Jesus then just goes on and he says, uh, just follow the rules. Just follow the rules. And you'll, good job, guy. And he goes, oh, but I have. Well, first of all, no, you haven't. <laughs> if, amen. If you're, if you're trying to be a good person by following rules, you'll never be a good person. You might convince yourself you are, but you won't. Just like the rich young ruler. But I followed all the rules. Okay, all right. Well, then sell everything you own and follow me. You'll have riches in heaven more than you I said he went away and he was sad. I think that, I think, um, I believe, that, this is a cue to say amen. Um, I believe that God did not come, the Advent celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. God did not come into our world to make bad people into good people. He came to give dead people life. Yeah. God did not come to make bad people into good people. He came to give dead people life. And some people have spent their whole lives trying to be good. There's expectations and values that have been stored away in your heart. And what that does to your heart when you try to justify being a good person by your actions, when you think the culmination of following God is so that you can be a good person, it's like like if your heart, this is silly, but like imagine if your heart was a refrigerator and then you put all the Thanksgiving food in it, all that good Thanksgiving food, you put it in there to keep it safe, um, to eat it later. Um, but the refrigerator is not turned on and it's not plugged in. And all that food is going to rot, spoil. The outside of the refrigerator, though, you keep super clean. And it's like shiny and polished. Um, story of my dear, dear friends, the Palmers. Beth and Grant moved once, and Beth put Grant in charge of moving the kitchen stuff. And Grant and his buddies, she hugged him. Amen. Someone needs to say amen on, for Beth on this one. And uh, Grant was like, we can move this all. It's like the food's already packed away. It's already in the refrigerator. They put it on. It's simple. <laughs> put on the refrigerator. Put the refrigerator on the trailer. Wrapped it up. Took it. And when they unwrapped it, Beth opened it up, and it had been full of food. Nothing was on a shelf anymore. The outside was clean, baby. <laughs> I think that Jesus uses a different uh, example. He says in Matthew twenty-three. He says. Um, he uses the term whitewashed tomb. That the outside looks nice and clean, but the inside, don't open it. Because it smells like death. And I want you to hear me clearly right now. Because when you go home and you talk to like your, your, your kids or your grandparents, whoever you're going to go talk to today about the sermon, and you're like, I said that we're not supposed to be good people. I want to clear. I want to make it clear. That is correct. I don't want the culmination of your life to be attempts 
at trying to be a good person. God did not come, put on flesh, and die at the cross that you could be a good person. He came so that you could live. We focus on, when we read that, that, that part, um, when we say we must live decent lives for all to see, um, we read it and we look at decent and we try to, we immediately, our minds begin to begin justifying the way we live our lives and our actions. I think we need to focus on the life part. A decent life. Have life. The decent part sorts itself out. You're next to Jesus. Amen. Um, and I, I don't want I don't want your definition of decent. You got upset that someone didn't like your pie last week. <laughs> you, I, I get upset about silly things. Have you ever had a silly argument? Yeah, all the wives are like, "Amen." <laughs> um, if you look at all the sin in your life, in my life, and in our and around us, I could never, I could never be good. Could never be good, and neither can you. God did not come to make bad people into good people. He came to give dead people life. Yeah, we see decent decent life and we focus on the decent part but really we should start focusing on the life part god's focused on giving you the life the living part and decency sorts itself out when you get right with god um you're willing to die for the things you give birth amen <laughs> You are. You're willing. If you look at your life, you are willing to die for the things that you give birth to. Spiritually and physically. I've seen more bravery out of my wife since we had our son than I ever have before. She's scared of scorpions. She's still scared of scorpions. But she'll kill them. She'll do it real quick. She's so brave. She's willing to we're willing to die for the things we've given birth to. And what comes out of your mouth, what's birthed out of your mouth is what's conceived in your heart. And the things that are conceived in your heart, those are the things you're willing to die for. Um, if, we keep, if we keep reading, um, in Luke 6, it says the mouth speaks from an overflow of the heart. And so, we, and so it says we must live decent lives. Um, have you ever... Um, have you ever had an argument in a library? <laughs> have you ever had an argument in a library? It's hard. You're like, Terrible. Cheryl's like, I can't. And I'm like, I know. because Right? Like, Cheryl and I get along great. We've never been in an argument. But arguing in a library is tough because when you argue, you raise your voice. And so, um, and later on, so we keep reading, it says, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness and in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Um, 
What's conceived in your heart is birthed from your mouth. And if I want to know the things that have been conceived in your heart, um, I can look at what you're willing to argue about. I can look at what you're willing to quarrel about. What you're willing to quarrel about is evidence of what's been stored up in your heart. Clothe yourself with the presence of Jesus Christ. This is the Christ. This is the meaning of the Christ. It's like a title. Um, and it means the anointed one. It means he who has this title of the anointed one is the Messiah. The one that comes not to make you into a good person, but to give you life. We pray with Jesus, would you put something new in our heart? As your Holy Spirit conceived life in Mary, would you bring life into our hearts? And would you let this life overflow? Would there be a spiritual upheaval within our faith community? As we enter into a time of Advent, the Adventists, the expectancy of you to enter into our world to celebrate what you've done. Would there be a morning sickness of the heart? An advent of things to come. Amen.